Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our risen Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Christ is risen. risen The disciples were standing there on the mountain, gazing up into heaven, when two of Christ's angels came in white robes and stood before them. The disciples seemed oblivious. For they were gazing up into heaven. Their eyes were fixed in the clouds till he passed from their sight. They did not see the messengers of God standing there. And they said to them, Men of Galilee, why do you stare into the heavens? Why? This same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will so come in a like manner as you saw him go into heaven. It was not for them to keep their eyes fixed into the heavens, but to keep their eyes fixed on what Christ had left them. For he had not left them as orphans, but with his word, his word of promise. We must learn from this account that it is not given to the saints on earth to again behold the great glory and majesty of the Lord until he returns again on Judgment Day. Yet this means also for us a word of good news. That means Christ is no longer confined to any dwelling place, one dwelling place here on earth. He has ascended to the right hand of God. Not a place, but a position of power. He fills all the world, as St. Paul says, And he is present even now with us here in his holy congregation. Now the disciples did not want the end of the kingdom of God, which they believed would end if Christ was taken from their sight. But it is not so. The kingdom of God, or God's reign on earth, is not over just because you and I no longer gaze upon Christ in his body with his glorified wounds. Most certainly not. We are confident that Christ's kingdom comes to us even now. It comes to us not in the ways, though, that people are expecting. People want a plane. They want a palace They want their kings to travel in luxury, to be seen by everybody in the most extravagant ways, so that we can point and say, look, there's my king. There's my leader. But not our God. He comes to us, to you and I, and to all those whom he calls unto himself. When our Heavenly Father gives us his Holy Spirit, so that by his grace we believe his holy word and lead a godly life, here and this time, and there in eternity. And when and where does he give you his Holy Spirit? Right at the font. I saw some of you looking there, so I knew you were thinking the right answer. Right at the baptismal font, where he covers you with water, but not water only, but water and the word, which says that you are a child of God marked with his name, brought into his family. And there he gives you faith to receive such a great gift as baptism that gives forgiveness of sins, life, and salvation. But not only that, 
It gives you faith and trust in the word. So that you're not standing outside the doors of a church, walking in the community, just staring up into heaven, expecting God to come down. You find him somewhere. You find him in the word. And that is first and foremost. Your life must be formed by his holy word. And the apostles were sent forth by God for this very purpose. To go into all the world world preaching the gospel. They preached the full sternness of the law and the full sweetness of the gospel. Just as Christ had rebuked them for their unbelief and their hardness of heart even after the resurrection. So they would rebuke the world. Convict them of sin so that they might receive the righteousness of God. And there were men who were led to grieve their sins and plead to the Lord for forgiveness, which the Lord granted them for the sake of Jesus. And this ministry has not ceased. It will continue until the Lord comes again. But believing God's word means that we are not to despise preaching. His very word proclaimed. He said to the disciples, he who hears you hears me. He meant it. The word faithfully preached is the voice of Christ. And it carries forward even today to those called and ordained ministers whom God sends into the harvest to preach. They bear witness to him in all the world. For no one of us could go into all the world, but it is our duty, wherever we may be in this world, to gather around God's word, to raise up from among us one who will preach and exercise the office of the keys, that is the binding key which retains the sins of men until they repent, and the loosing key which forgives the sins of those who repent. Believing God's word, though, also means that we believe when we eat the bread and drink the cup that it is Christ's true body and true blood which our lips and our tongues receive. Who could believe such a thing? But with God, all things are possible. And so we believe this word firmly like a rock upon which our faith in this time must rest knowing that this body and blood of Christ covers our sins. Where could you go for such hope and comfort in this life? What could you buy with money that could bring you such peaceful rest? For who among us has ever heard the word perfectly and believed it perfectly? None. Not one. We suffer from our own reason which cannot understand God's truth. Yet this is why in holy baptism God does not give you a reason which is better than what you had. He gives you faith, a gift of God which embraces his word, believing that our Lord is present with us at once in many places. How can it be? Because God's word says so. He ascended to the right hand of God and now fills all things Everywhere. This is true. 
Not only are we to believe God's word, but we are also told by God to lead godly lives here in this time and there in eternity. You don't get out of it. God calls us to holy living wherever we dwell. But what does that look like? What does a godly life look like? Luther tells us before confession and absolution, we should examine our lives looking at the mirror of the Ten Commandments. And after you look at that mirror, you probably feel pretty disgusting. You look pretty ugly. For we are told to consider our station in life, our vocations, according to the Ten Commandments. Whether you are a father, mother, son, daughter, master, servant, whether you have been disobedient, unfaithful, slothful, whether you have grieved anyone by words or deeds, whether you have stolen, neglected, or wasted, or done any other injury. Have you loved God wholeheartedly? Have you desired to hear his word and receive his blessed sacrament most often? When we examine our life, we see that it's not so godly after all. We are oppressed by our sins, the guilt that weighs us down. If the disciples had their wishes, we would have this physical Israel, a kingdom of political nature in political nature. But that wouldn't bring us hope or comfort. We need a God who rules us by his grace, by his forgiveness, his love. For a physical Israel would not bring us any hope or comfort when doubts assail us, or when we see that we are dust, and to dust we must return. But a Christ who is ascended, on whom our hope of ascension is built, on a Christ who yet still enters into our time, into our veil of tears, into the valley of the shadow of death and calms our fear. Now that, that is a hope and a comfort which will surpass anything that we can have in this life. And he provides it in all moments. Even as I witnessed this past week in the most blessed end of some of our dearly beloved. God granted them a blessed end, reminding them and granting them the forgiveness with his very body and blood, with his hope of life everlasting. What greater treasure could you ask for? What greater hope could you find? But you won't find it by staring up into heaven. You'll find it today, prepared on this holy altar The one who is worthy to receive such gift of Christ's body and blood is the one who believes these words given and shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. But the one who comes and does not grieve his sins, does not wish to repent or amend his ways, is not worthy to receive this gift and will incur judgment upon himself. We must be careful with the medicine of immortality We must be careful to obey God's word, to lead holy and godly lives, and when we have fallen, to repent. And God will be there to pick us up, to calm us, 
to set us on the straight and the narrow path. For Christ has not left us. Though we must wait to see his glory and his majesty face to face, still he calls us even now to come to the consoling supper, which strengthens our faith, renews our spirit, brings us heaven here on earth. May the Lord who has taken from our sight his own body bless you with the eyes of faith to behold the blessed comfort of his body and his blood present for us in, with, and under the bread and the wine in his holy supper. In Christ's name, amen. Now may the peace of God which surpasses all our understanding guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord.